second installment of our series today called Peace in the Midst. Um, and last week, uh, we talked about the virtue of contentment. The, the, the premise of this series is um, how do we find peace in the midst of difficulties? How do we find peace in the midst of challenges? How do we find peace in the midst of pain, in the midst of loss? How do we find peace in the midst of the storms of our life? Um, and last week we talked about contentment. Today we're going to be talking about gratitude, about the virtue of gratitude. Uh, and I want to let you know right off the bat, if you're sitting there and you can't think of anything to be grateful for, um, I'm going to give you something. You can be grateful that I have decided to not start this sermon off with trying to sing Shirley Caesar's Peace in the Midst of the Storm like I did last Sunday. So that's just, you know, somebody came up to me after last Sunday and they said, you know, Pastor, uh, don't quit your day job. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, no, it's okay. It's, it really is. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the, the line here is from a, a Shirley Caesar song that I grew up um, singing. Uh, and, and the lyrics say, there is peace in the midst of this storm-tossed life. There's an anchor. There's a rock to cast my faith upon. Jesus Christ is my vessel, and I'll fear no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of the storm. And the, the, the value and the genius of that song is that it recognizes the storm. It recognizes that at times in our lives, there are storms that we face. Even if we're believers, if we're not believers, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, there are going to be times in our life, and this happens a lot during the holidays, as we come into the holidays, where people struggle with finding peace in their heart. People struggle with anxiety, and people struggle with depression, and relationships that they're you know, entering into, or relationships that are breaking up, or difficulty with family. There, there are just struggles in life, and we want to, this season, look deeply into the question of how do we find peace in the midst of that? How do we experience peace right in the very midst of that? So today we focus on gratitude. So I want to I try a, a, an exercise with you, if you'll uh, work with me on this, okay? This is going to take some audience participation, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to divide the congregation right in half here, Okay. So, Tom, I think you're going to be, yeah, yeah, I divided you. Well, you can choose where you're going to. Um, and on this side of the congregation, in just a moment, when I say go, I want you just to turn to somebody next to you, turn to maybe one or two people next to you, and just express something that you're grateful about. Something that it might be a person that's been uh, valuable in your life, a parent, a child, a, co- a colleague, uh, the choir. I mean, you know, I mean, something that's in your life, somebody that's in your life, or it may be an experience that you've had, a vacation or something good that you've experienced. Um, it may be uh, a gift from God. You're thankful that God, you know, saved you. You're thankful for the Holy Spirit in your life, whatever it is. Um, so you're going to turn, this side of the congregation is going to turn and mention something that you're grateful for. This side of the congregation, you guys are going to turn to one another and just lay out with no holds barred something that bugs the tar out of you, all right? You're just going to complain and moan and gripe and grumble. For 30 seconds, this side, this side of the congregation, you guys are going to say, I don't like this. I don't like this person. I'm mad about that. If you're going to complain about your spouse, I would recommend you hold that until after the service. Um, But you guys get 30 seconds to just gripe 
I just, this should let it go, okay? Just let it rip. All right, you ready for this? All right, to about 30 seconds and go. Go for it. All right. How's that working for you guys? Everybody good? Yeah. I think the complaint side, man, they just want to keep going. They're just like, I'm having fun with this. All right. Okay. Everybody good? Got it out of your system? Everybody feels a little better right now, right? I mean, there's, there, there seems to be some benefit. There seems to be some value, at least in the short term, both to expressing a gripe or a complaint and to expressing gratitude. But there's a very big difference between these two expressions because gratitude can be expressed indefinitely, ongoing, and you actually enjoy being around people who are thankful about life, thankful about the things that they have in life. But how many of you would say, you know what, I just really like being around people who complain as their default method of communication, right? Nobody like, you guys are having fun for 30 seconds, but if I said, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I want you to sit and listen to each other's gripes and complaints and moans, you'd be so depressed you'd run out of this place, right? Nobody enjoys that, right? In fact, so toxic and so counterproductive, counterproductive is mumbling and groaning and complaining that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth because they were mumbling and groaning and complaining to one another. And look what he wrote to them. He wrote them a, a letter, and this is what he said. Uh, he said, do not complain as some of the children of Israel did and were killed by the destroying angel. He said, don't get into this life of moaning. He was referring back to the children of Israel wandering around in the desert. So you guys on the complaining side are now sort of wishing that you had been on the gratitude side. Look out for the destroying angel. Um, why, why is it that the scripture over and over and over uh, talks about avoiding this sort of incessant grumbling and complaining? It's all through the scripture. Um, if you look, for instance, in Philippians 2, 4, it says, do all things without grumbling. Uh, the next verse says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. The next verse says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. The Bible over and over and over talks about this idea of grumbling and complaining in a negative light. And the question is, why, why is that? Why are the scripture writers so ins- insistent that we don't do that? Because the Bible writers know this, that the, what comes out of your mouth is just a symptom of what's in your heart. Uh, And when you are leading a life where you are constantly complaining or constantly unhappy or constantly focused on the things that you don't have, uh, the Bible writers know that there's something, there's a heart condition there that needs to be addressed. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So here's my goal for every single person in this auditorium today. My goal, whether you're young or old, whether you have many possessions or few possessions, whether you're a believer of 
dyed in the wool Christian or somebody just checking this out and trying to get a feel for what this is all about. My goal for every person that leaves here today is that we all leave here with a heart that is brimming with gratitude, a heart that is full of thankfulness, a heart that is absolutely overflowing with a sense of appreciation for what God has done for us already in our lives. We want to lead a life of gratitude because gratitude ultimately leads to peace. Um, there was a, uh, an author, a guy named A.J. Jacobs, and this is the beautiful thing about a lot of these principles that Jesus teaches is that even if you're not a Christian yet and you're checking it out, this truth applies to your life uh, just as much as it does to somebody who believes wholeheartedly in the scripture. Um, A.J. Jacobs was a, an author. He's an author and a, a journalist who wrote a book not long ago called um, The Year of Living Biblically. And it was sort of a stunt book that he wrote. He Basically, what he did in this book is that he said, I'm going to try to follow every rule, every, uh, every single law in the Bible, Old Testament and New, doesn't matter. I'm going to actually try to follow every single one of them. So he went through all of the scripture and started following each and every precept, separated his wool from his linen, grew his beard out, wore white clothes, did all these kind of crazy things that, so that he could follow every single rule and law in the scripture. And at the end of this experiment, they asked A.J. Jacobs, they said, you know, what did you derive from this? What did you ultimately pull out of this experience? And I love what he said. He said, one thing that truly struck me was this idea, he said, of gratitude. Because the Bible says, he said, that you should give thanks for everything in your life. And I took that literally. So he said, I would press the elevator button and I would be thankful that the elevator came. I would get in the elevator and I'd be thankful that it didn't plummet to the basement and break my collarbone. He said it was a strange way to live, but it was beautiful because you realize there are hundreds of things that go right every day, every day that we totally take for granted. And we focus, he said, on the three or four things that go wrong. In other words, A.J. Jacobs learned the fact that gratitude doesn't come from acquiring more. Gratitude does not come from obtaining more. Gratitude doesn't come from getting more. Gratitude comes from noticing more. Gratitude comes from looking around and seeing what's going on in your life and recognizing the great beauty, the great joy, the great gifts that are already involved in your life. In other words, gratitude is not the product of greater possession. It's the product of greater perception. There are so many things right now in our lives that we have to be grateful for. In fact, uh, I'm going to have, if you don't have a pen, I'm going to have our greeters come forward. Um, Greeters, if you wouldn't mind to come forward with some pens, uh, come all the way to the front and then just turn around. Um, We're going to do a little exercise. This is a lot of participation on your end today. Um, I don't want to do all the heavy lifting. I need you guys to do some work with me today. Um, If you don't have a pen, raise your hand. And our greeters will give you a pen as they walk through here. Because I want to invite you today to let your mind wander. Um, You don't get a lot of that. You don't hear a lot of preachers saying that. Uh, Sometimes you let your minds wander even when I don't want you to let your minds wander. But today I'm going to actually invite you to let your minds wander towards gratitude. And in your um, sermon notes, there are ten lines uh, where I want to invite you throughout this sermon just to 
if something comes to your mind that you're grateful for, just write it down. It may be a person. It may be an experience. It may be a, a, a place that you've been to. It may be God's provision. It may be a car or a house or clothes on your back or whatever it is. I just want to invite you throughout this sermon as I'm talking to let God prompt your heart and write down the things that you are grateful for. Um, the scripture says this at first Thessalonians, it says, rejoice, always pray continually. And then it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want you just to hold on to this verse as we go through this sermon today, give thanks to God in all circumstances. Now, how do we do that? How do we lead a life of abundant gratitude? How do we lead a life that is just bursting with thankfulness? Um, I'm going to talk for a few minutes about three absolutely essential elements that one must have in order to really lead a life of sustained gratitude. Uh, And the first one is this. The first one is we have to recognize the benefit. We have to recognize and perceive the good in things that are happening around us and to us. It doesn't mean that everything is good, but it does mean that there is good in the midst of everything. Not everything is good, but there is good in the midst of everything. And our job as followers of Jesus or those of us who want to experience that internal peace is to perceive that good in the midst of whatever it is that we're struggling with. Um, I read a story about a man today who, or this week, who uh, bought a brand new pair of pants brand new pair of slacks. He was really excited to wear these pants out to a special event, uh, and they were wrinkled. So he asked his wife, hey, hon, would you mind to iron my pants? And she said, sure. So she got out the iron, and she's ironing the pants. And, uh, but she had the iron on too hot, and it just burnt a big black mark right down the side of the pants. And the guy was just so upset because he just got these new trousers, and he was so excited about wearing them. And then he remembered that verse. You know, give thanks in all things. And he goes, God, I just want to thank you that my leg was not in those pants at that time. So you have to perceive the good in the midst of whatever circumstance that you experience. Uh, Matthew Henry was a really well-known biblical scholar and biblical commentator. Uh, and he meditated on this verse that he, he was robbed at one point while he was traveling in doing ministry. Um, and there's a quote that's attributed to him to his diary. And I want to read it to you. He had been robbed by uh, some, some men that took all of his money. And here's what he wrote. He said, Lord, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. So he said, you know, I've never actually thought of that, but I've never been robbed before. So I just want to thank you for all those days of my life that I've never been robbed. Second, he said, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. So thank you, God, that they took my money, but I'm still alive. Third, he said, because although they took everything I possessed, it really wasn't much. He said, thanks, God, that I didn't have too much money on me when they robbed me. And then I love this part. This is profound. He said, and fourth, God, thank you because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed Thank you, he said, that I can be a man who experiences getting robbed, and I'm not a man who feels like I have to go and rob. Thank you for being in the position where I'm not perpetrating the crime. 
I love how deep and insightful that, that commentary is, that, that diary entry is, because he, uh, Matthew Henry is finding, he's finding the, the good, he's finding the benefit, he's recognizing the benefit in the midst of even a difficult circumstance. So no, that's number one, recognizing the benefit. Number two is acknowledging that you are the beneficiary. Let me ask you this. There are so many things that we experience in life, and sometimes we don't, we don't think about how many of them we don't deserve. Right? We, I didn't do anything to merit being alive today. I didn't do anything. I did nothing that, got, that, that, that merited my life. Right? The fact that I'm alive, the fact that you are alive today, you don't, you don't deserve that. That didn't happen because you did something to merit that. Right? That's a gift. The breath that's in your lungs right now, that's a gift. You know, the clothes on your back, the, 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 the family that you have, the friends, those are gifts that are given to you. Sometimes I think we just have to stop and say, wait a minute. A lot of this stuff I didn't deserve. I got stuff that I didn't deserve, and thank God for it. Um, there's a, uh, uh, there's a uh, in University City, they have this, this great benefit uh, in our neighborhood where they come and they, they have these big trucks, and they, these trucks come and they suck up all the leaves along the street. I don't know if you have that in your neighborhood, but it's great because we have all these trees in New City. Um, but the trick is in order for this to truly be a benefit to you, you've got to get the leaves out of your yard and onto the street, right? Um, but if you do that, then it's a great benefit because you don't have to spend hours, you know, raking these leaves and putting them in bags and all that. So all week it's supposed to happen this week. All week, my wife was saying to me, she's saying, Brent, you know, I need you to get those leaves out of the yard. Okay. You know, she bought me a leaf blower earlier this year for this very purpose. Um, and so I said, okay, no problem. I'm going to get those leaves out. But you know, Monday turned to Tuesday and Tuesday turned to Wednesday and I got other stuff going on. You know, I'm up at the family center, all excited about stuff there and having meetings. And so Thursday came around and I'm thinking, man, we still haven't gotten those leaves out of the yard, but you know, I'll, I'll get to that when I, when I can, uh, had a day on Thursday, came back, came back home on Thursday afternoon and I see that leaf that leaf sucking truck coming down the street, bringing everybody, everybody else in the neighborhood had their leaves out on the street. And my yard just leaves all around, millions of leaves. All those leaves you saw flowing down from the screen, Claude, those were all in my yard. Um, and, and, and so there's, a, there's all these leaves and I'm pulling up and I'm looking at this leaf truck and it's three, three houses down and then it's two houses down and it's one house down. And I'm thinking, man, my wife is going to be so mad at me for not getting these leaves out of the yard. And I kid you not, that leaf truck stopped at my neighbor's house. End of the day, closing shop. We'll pick it up here tomorrow. I am not kidding you. I'm not kidding. Guess what I was doing at 6 o'clock on Friday morning. And you know what? Right on time, I got all the leaf, every leaf out of my yard onto that street. And sure enough, here comes that leaf truck, man. So, all right, we're ready to start here. I literally went out to the guy. There's one guy that's in the truck and another guy's like, you know, helping get the leaves in. I went out to the guy. I put my arm around him. I said, bro, you just saved my marriage. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
He looked at me like I was crazy. Sometimes we get something that we don't deserve, right? And, and leading a life of gratitude is recognizing and acknowledging all of the many times in our life when we are the beneficiary of something that we didn't merit, that we didn't deserve, that came to us as a gift from not ourselves, from somebody else. Um, so recognize that and, and acknowledge that you are the beneficiary. And then number three is this, honor the benefactor. Honor the benefactor. And what that means really is this. If you really want a genuine life of gratitude, a real life of peace in your life, there comes a time where you have to acknowledge the one who has given you and bequeathed you these gifts, right? It's, it's, it's ultimately understanding that there's someone who has gifted this to you because they are after your good. Their desire is for your good, and so they are giving you something that will benefit you, and honoring the benefactor is, is ultimately the, the, you know, an essential element to living a life full of gratitude. I, I read a passage this week, and, and you've probably seen this passage before, but this week it, it just came out in a, in a way, and as I was reading it, it just popped in a way that I had never noticed before. Um, and I'm going to read you the passage, okay, and we'll just kind of go through it together. It says this. It says, as Jesus was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice. These are ten people with leprosy, a a disease that's just rotting their, their bodies. They called out to him in a loud voice. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Scripture says, when Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as the lepers went, the Scripture says, they were cleansed. God, Jesus healed them, healed them of leprosy, uh, and their bodies were cleansed. So that was all 10 of them. Then the scripture says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. So 10 went, 10 got cleansed, one came back. One came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself, it says, at Jesus' feet and thanked him. There was only one out of that whole crew that expressed gratitude. He was a Samaritan. He came back and said, I want to honor the benefactor. I've experienced a benefit. I acknowledge that I'm the recipient. I'm the beneficiary of this benefit. And I want to take the step of coming back and honoring the benefactor. Jesus asked him this. He said, we're not, we're not all ten of you guys cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? This one guy has come back to praise God? Then he said to him, and here's the part that just really stuck out to me. He said, uh, rise and go. Your faith, he said, has made you whole. All ten of them were cleansed, but only one of them was made whole. All 10 of them received the benefit. All 10 of them recognized that they were the beneficiary, but only one of them came and honored the benefactor. Because you see, this one guy said, it's not enough for me just to be physically cleansed. I want to have a spiritual relationship with the one who cleansed me. I want to experience not only healing in my body, but I want peace in my soul. 
I want to have, I want reconciliation with God. I want to be restored. I want to have a genuinely deep, powerful, transformative experience in my life. I don't want to just be physically healed. I want to have peace in my heart. And this is what I think the, this one leper knew. And it's a, it's, a, it's a truth that every single one of us, I pray, can grasp and get a hold of. And that is this, is that we don't become grace, grateful because we experience peace. We experience peace because we are grateful. The gratitude came before the wholeness. The gratitude came before the peace. The gratitude came before the relationship. The gratitude came before the health and wholeness. He came back to honor the benefactor, and in so doing, he entered into a relationship, and Jesus said, go, you will be whole, you will be well, you will be saved, you'll be redeemed. You see, gratitude is the key to finding inner peace in your life, exercising that gratitude. And in fact, I just want to read you this scripture, and this is the last scripture I'm going to read you today. Uh, and this is from uh, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, and it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, by prayer and asking, with thanksgiving. So let your prayers and your asking and your supplication be soaked in gratitude. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what happens. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This scripture is, is telling us that if we want this peace of God, which passes all understanding, then let all that we do be soaked in gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation for what God has already done in our life. Let this gratitude brim over, let it pour over, let it spill over in your life. And as you exercise that gratitude, as you learn to express it, as you learn to acknowledge it, as you learn to perceive it, you will indeed experience a greater peace in your life than you've ever known by living this life full of gratitude. I want to I close today doing something a little differently than we normally do. Um, I'm going to invite all of you just to take a few minutes here at the end of the sermon um, and Tomoko if you want to come up and play I'm going to invite we're just going to take a few minutes Tomoko's going to play some music softly and I'm going to just invite all of you to take for three minutes just take some time and write down all of the things that you can think of on that on that on your bulletin that you're thankful for whether it's a person whether it's an experience, whether it's someone in your life, whether it's something God is doing in your life. And I want to invite you, if you get more than 10, if you can't come up with 10, come up here and I'll give you 10 or 15 myself. Um, just write them down. And if you get more than 10, just keep going. Uh, and then what I would invite you to do is this week, take that bulletin, put it on your fridge, put it on your desk, put it on your nightstand, put it in your mirror. And just throughout this week, Take time to stop and acknowledge what God has already done in your life. Acknowledge the gifts that God has already put in your heart. Acknowledge the great things that God is already doing in your life. And just give thanks. So I'm going to stop talking right now. And we're going to take just about three minutes. And just write down as many things as you can. And I'm going to join you in doing that.
All right, I just got 20. I just did 20. How you guys doing? Getting some? All right. About 10 more seconds. I read, um, you can keep writing. I'll just, I'll just close with this story. Uh, this week I read uh, a, a portion of um, uh, Corey uh, Ten Boom's uh, The Hiding Place. There's a beautiful moment in this book where she, Corey Ten Boom and her family had been hiding Christians um, and during World War II, and, and the Nazis found them and discovered them and uh, imprisoned them. And Cory Ten Boom and her sister were encamped in the same barracks, uh, and they were next to a, a barracks, uh, the, the, the torture barracks, basically, where they could hear every manner of screaming and crying out and harm and hurt and all of this, and, um, and they had smuggled a Bible in. Uh, Cory Ten Boom and her sister Betsy had smuggled a Bible in, uh, and they would sort of huddle together and read this Bible, and it was the one thing that brought them peace. It was the one thing that brought them hope in the midst of all of this darkness and tragedy. Um, and finally, they were getting ready to move to their permanent barracks, uh, and they were excited because they had heard that, like, in your permanent barracks, it'll be a lot better, and um, they marched them down to their permanent barracks, and it turns out, they said, she says, she writes in the book that as soon as they walked in, they could just... They could just tell, man, that it was rancid and it was rotten and it was dark in there and it was just absolutely horrid and you didn't get your own bed and it was cold and you had to bunk up with, you know, half a dozen other people and it was just a really, really bad experience and she had to crawl up into her and her sister Betsy. They crawled up into their, to their bunk and they sort of huddled together to try to just get their heads together and suddenly she said she felt something bite her leg. And she went, looked down, and she reached down, and she said, oh, no, this is the worst. There are fleas in this bed. There are fleas all over this place. And she looked down, and there were fleas just infesting this whole barracks. And she just, that was just sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back. It was cold, and it was dark, and it was, you know, rotten. And now she couldn't even find the solace of, like, lying down in this straw and, and, and without being bitten by these fleas. And her sister Betsy said... Corey, remember the scripture we read yesterday? She said, what? Well, what scripture are you talking about? It was the passage in Thessalonians where it says, give thanks in all circumstances. And Corey said, I can thank God for a lot of things, but I cannot thank God for fleas. I just can't do it. Betsy bowed her head right there and said, God, we thank you for the rancid straw. We thank you for the rotting stench that we find all around us and God yes we thank you for the fleas and Corey Corey's sitting there like all right yeah whatever sis uh then a few weeks later Corey comes back to the barracks and her sister Betsy's sitting there with a big smile on her face and Corey says what are you what are you so what are you so satisfied about uh and and her sister Betsy says well you know how like in the old barracks the guards would come in at random hours and harass us and hurt us and, you know, uh, berate us. And she said, yeah. She said, have you noticed they don't do that in this barracks? 
She said, yeah. She said, have you noticed how we get to have time, just quiet time, we can read the Bible together, we can talk, and nobody comes in here. And she said, yeah, yeah, I have noticed that. And she said, do you know why? And Corey said, why? And she said, well, I overheard the guards talking. It's because this place is overrun with fleas. We don't, we don't get harassed by the guards because of the fleas, right? She said, so I'm thanking God for the fleas. Corey said, wow, I learned in that moment that we really do give thanks in all circumstances. We really do give thanks in all things. Because the Bible says this. I want to leave you with this. All things, all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, loss, pain, heartbreak, struggle, challenges, difficulty, financial problems, weakness, sadness, whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, there is peace in the midst of that. God has benefit for you in the heart, in the midst of the darkest storm. There is peace in the midst of the storm-tossed life. There's an anchor. There's a rock to cast my faith upon. There is peace in the midst of the storm. Let me pray for you. Father, this is a, a really powerful truth in your word. The truth that it's, it's incumbent upon us to give thanks in the midst of all circumstances. Not all things are good, but there is good in the midst of all. And God, we come to you today and we just, first of all, we ask forgiveness for those times when we had hearts of ingratitude. We ask forgiveness for those times where our hearts were just full of bitterness and anger and strife and, uh, uh, and, and not recognizing the true value and the true benefit uh, that you've bestowed upon us. And God, today we just ask that you fill our hearts with gratitude. We ask that you help us, Lord, to, to recognize the benefit in all things, to acknowledge that we are the beneficiary of your great gifts. And then, Lord, we come to you today just to honor you as the benefactor, honor you as the one who extends these gifts to us. And we ask, Lord God, that our hearts be full with thanksgiving today, that we reach out to others, to our friends and family this week as we celebrate the holidays, and that we would express gratitude towards them and that their hearts might be filled with gratitude, that they might recognize the good in our hearts and they might be filled with that same good, Lord. We ask that your spirit give us strength to do this. We ask, Lord God, that for those who have not experienced the great gift of your grace and mercy in their life, we ask that today something that was said or something that they heard uh, would, would trigger that desire in them uh, and that, and that you, would, you would bring them to yourself today, that they would experience your grace and your mercy today. Uh, Father, we just ask that you bring all of us together with joyful hearts, with gratitude in our hearts, and ultimately, God, you bring peace to us in the midst of the storm. Father, for this, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, you guys. I want to invite you, as we wrap up here, um, I'm going to invite you to worship with us in a few different ways. Um, one of the ways that we worship is...